0: You're listening to Little Gems of Wisdom with Katrina and Alana. I'm Katrina Kavanagh and I'm a therapist with 25 years experience practicing, which means for me that I'm all about how the brain and the body work together. I'm also intuitive. I've been intuitive all my life and that has made things just a little bit more interesting.
1: And I'm Alana Lee McIntyre. I'm a TV and radio journalist here in Australia. I'm used to asking the questions, not just the usual ones, but the big questions like why we're here, why we do the things we do and how we can live a happier, inspired life. So let's have a look at today's little gem of wisdom. Perception, it's such a great
0: topic. Such a new topic. Oh, no, I've never really spoken about it before. We are, okay, we have to confess to our, our, our people who are listening. Yes, that we this... just
1: recorded a whole one-hour yes. podcast. Yes. Played it back. Yes, and
0: our, we have two choices here. We can perceive <laughs> that, that we're not meant to be talking about perception or we can just perceive that that was just a technological – I can't even talk properly – technological error so we're choosing the latter not the former so we checked the audio and we sounded like this 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 <laughs> <laughs> like we were in a cathedral yeah we did yeah. In a deep chamber somewhere sounded very scary
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we were in that um the factory we're going to talk about i hope so At the museum Maybe that's what it was. Maybe, mm. yeah. Um,
0: perception, I think, is the way we see the world and relationships and ourselves, really. Yeah. Um, and it's really something that our perception determines everything. I really yes. do believe that. The way it we shapes f- our world. Yes. It mm. shapes our experience, it shapes how we feel. Um, it can be the difference of a good day or a not good day. So it determines so many, many, many things. And so when I talk about perception, as, you've, as we've spoken about before, I like to use the word lens um, because I think that's a really great way of understanding. And I love the word lens because you can you know, take one, one set of glasses off and put another set on, can't you? Yeah, so there's yeah. room to change and grow within that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and the way that I see perception too is it's quite a deep thing you know, we have mm. hidden perceptions and we, we, we perceive the world in ways that we don't even realise we're perceiving it. That's right. And then it's usually based on our past experiences. Yes. Perhaps the way we were brought up or and f- maybe it's in our genes. Yes, and facts
0: presented, mm. the way facts are presented. Like in the world of journalism, you know, part of your, world, your role is to report on things that All the that bad happen. stuff. Well, I know, yes, that's true. But, um, but to bring the information to the people so that yeah. they can then... But then their perception will be ter- absolutely based on what you tell them,
1: the information yeah. you present to them. Yeah. Mm. So perception's incredibly powerful. It's
0: extremely powerful. I think it really does determine how we experience our life. Yeah. The quality of our life, whether, we have, whether we're restless inside or we're feeling a sense of contentment or safety or well-being. It's, it's very, very, very um, influential on our well-being.
1: And so a good place, I think, to start um, looking at perception, if you like looking at perception. Mm. See what I did there? Yes, love it. So with the, first the lens. place to... The first interesting way of looking at perception is um, I was introduced to... Or one of the ways that I was introduced to how... Um, powerful the way you perceive actually is, was through uh, um, a school of thought called A Course in Miracles. Yeah, such a beautiful... Now I've only, I've never um,
0: actually read specifically The Course in Miracles, yeah. but I have read Marianne Williamson's book, A Return to Love.
1: Yeah, which is a beautiful book, and it's a book that I've read too, yes. and it created huge change in my life. I've, mm. I opened that book, A Return to Love, I recommend
0: it. Yes, well, I recommend it too. I read it when I was very young in my 20s. I was at uni in Bathurst. Yeah. But I, I read it then and sort of it didn't – it did – like it did. There was powerful things in there. But yes. I think I couldn't really feel the meaning of that yes. in my life back then. Yeah. but I, So I need to reread it actually. Oh, please do. It's, yes.
1: It's a really powerful book. Mm. And it's all based on perception. Okay. And I won't, I won't do a um, – I don't need a spoiler alert because I won't give that away. Yes, let's not. Because it's an experience that you really need to have yourself. Mm-hmm. But uh, A Course in Miracles, uh, so that book was what led me to look into A Course in Miracles, which is a really, um, really, it sounds like all woohoo and mm. really spooky kind of new age stuff. Mm. But it's wonderful for people who are very um, sceptical um, for people who want to digest spirituality in a different way, mm. for people who want to actually want concrete evidence and want um, really want to make sense of it all, as opposed to just kind of just accepting things that maybe because someone else told you to, mm. um, it basically is based on this whole idea that you will shift your perception and start seeing things more clearly wow. and as they actually are. And then you have to accept too that maybe you aren't seeing things too clearly. So you do this through some workshops mm-hmm. and there's ideas presented to you each day. Wow. And the ideas create these huge ripples of change through, throughout your life. The first one is one that we could actually talk about today. Let's do that. Without going into the whole thing. But yep. So one of the, the the first point that they make is that there's a chair. So um, – you have to start looking at objects. And when you look at that chair, of course it's a chair, right? Mm. You see a chair, I see a chair. Yes. There's no disputing that there's a chair right there. To our listeners, there is a chair. We're, we're, we're actually things. looking at a yeah. chair. There's <laughs> okay. a beautiful, right. beautiful
0: white chair. We, we're doing this one? Yeah, yeah. let's do that. So, so there's a beautiful white chair that's a sort of Hampton style yeah. with, what do you call this stuff? Cane, I suppose. Yeah, Maybe the cane the kind of, seedy thing, yeah. but it's white on rounds, And it's yeah. like a
1: dining room. Chair. Yeah, yeah. Yep, next yeah. to the table that we're yes. sitting at, right? So there's no disputing that there is a chair there. Mm. But did you hear how you were describing the chair? Mm, it's I'm, a beautiful chair. Yes. It looks like the Ham, it's something from the Hamptons.
0: Yes, that's Hamptons. Exactly, exactly what... Yes, so you started putting all that stuff on that chair. Yeah, when really it was just... It's actually it's just metal and timber and seagrass. Yeah. And
1: so we think about that analogy and then you can go a little further too. You can go to what the Hamptons represents... To you mm. or maybe it reminds me of kind of a beach style kind of chair right yes so then that brings back memories for me maybe the, the maybe that fabric on that seat maybe that brings back memories or reminds me of somebody that I know mm. maybe the way that I, I look at the chair and I think well oh, that might not be great like real good on my back because I broke my back yes so exactly. I'm looking at the back support I'm looking at the yeah. comfort of the
0: chair yep so your perceptions about the practical support system within the chair
1: yeah, yeah. So there's all that stuff happening with that chair, but that chair hasn't changed. But I've got a different perception of it than you. Mm. It's so, it's so that is so powerful
0: mm. because it shows us that. It, it totally yeah. It's a very powerful exercise, and I would love people to try that in their own yes, lives with a cup as well. Yes, don't get me started I'm on crockery. I'm, <laughs> crockery. I'm a fan. of I'm a fan of crockery. <laughs> oh my gosh, it has to be the right cup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that cup's too wide, too big. Too big for me. I've yes. got little
1: hands. Yes. So when we when we zoom out and then we begin to see that we're in a room with all these other objects and that all those objects are just existing and we're around other people too and then we mm-hmm. zoom out even further in our lives and we see that we're surrounded by different humans and then you think about the chair and how much stuff you put on just looking at that chair mm. that you didn't even realise was there until you started really talking about it. That's right. Then we realise that... We go through our lives seeing everything through our own lens and with all our stuff. So the question is, do we actually see things as they are or do we see them as we are? So that concept is what we're going to talk about today, the idea that everything that you're looking at, um, perhaps are you really looking at in an accurate way? Mm. And... Is it the truth? Mm. And it's often not. Yeah. It, or it can be. Yes.
0: But it becomes your truth. That's, that's the main thing. And that's what
1: you're going to help us break down. So we're yeah, not going yeah. to tell everybody that they are you know believe a certain truth or anything like no, that. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. No. But I think it's really important for people to know that a lot of how we experience everyday life as well as you know our, our whole life is based around um, the way we perceive ourselves and the way we perceive ourselves the world. So do we see the world as a safe or unsafe pl- place, right? And then how do we perceive ourself in the world? So if we perceive the world as an unsafe place, and this happens to a lot of us, we don't realise. Mm. So if we perceive the world as an unsafe place or... Um, a place where um, there's many angry people, it just depends on what your lens is, then we'll often experience, our experience will be through that lens. So we'll go through a day and we might have three angry experiences. We've got an angry shopkeeper or yes. you know, an angry teacher or an angry, not that there's many angry teachers, um, or an angry, um, con- con- business associate. Yeah. Right? Or the
1: angry bus driver who was yeah, rude to me. Right. Yeah.
0: But then we might have seven other positive and beautiful and kind experiences. Yes. But because we're wired, because of our perception, because of our lived experience to see the world as an angry place, we will pick up on, talk about Ruminate, which means go over and over in our mind, yes. about the angry people. And we collect
1: sort of, the angry experiences. Yes, because it reinforces to, yeah. our world view. And it proves our point. Proves our point. This is a really angry place. But in our brains, they like to focus on negative things.
0: Yeah, look, there is that component where people um, absolutely, we're geared to protect ourselves. So our amygdala is all about perceiving danger and do I need to guard you? Do I need to guard?
1: So it's kind of like if you were out in the wild and then you yes. go to a certain part of the forest. Where there was a lion, yes, and then you want to remember not to go back there. So you keep remembering, no, that's where that lion hangs that's out. Right. That's so right. I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there.
0: That's where that angry person is. I'm not going back there. That's but where I got her.
1: Nowadays. We don't
0: need to worry about lions. Well, it's not about survival anymore, is it? So our beautiful, we're no longer in the caveman and, and days, thankfully. Mm. Well, well, anyone listening to this isn't. Um, <laughs> so anyone who's listening, you know, essentially what I'm thinking is you're not in the caveman days, so you're not protecting yourself from a saber-toothed tiger, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, but still your brain thinks you are, and so yes. it's always on alert for, for danger and wants to put yourself into that state of fight, flight, freeze or submit to protect yourself.
1: So say that again.
0: Fight, flight, freeze, or submit. So fight. Fight. So I'm going to fight this tiger. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to flight, flee, fight, fly, run. Um, fight, flight, freeze. I'm going to freeze. Yes. Yeah, so freeze. That's not one that I always
1: heard when no. I was. You know, is this something new? A new no,
0: psychological? Well, I think it's coming out now. We always spoke about fight and flight. Yes. But we're now with the new with the new science and research coming through. We're understanding that there are those other ways of coping. In a once the amygdala triggers our brain and we go into that primitive part of the brain. Yeah. Primitive includes fight and flight, but it also includes freezing and submitting. As a way of protecting yourself, yes. So freezings, as in? Stopping, shutting down, disconnecting. I can't, can't, yep, I physically can't move. So staying still. Staying really, really still and letting the danger pass you. Trying to, right? Yeah. And then submission is absolutely do not fight with anyone, do not um, Mm. contend anything, Mm. submit, because there may be safety in submission. Oh. So this is, this every day, you know, we are going out and if we've got a world view that the world is an unsafe place or it's an angry place, we'll always be on the lookout and we can look at the brains of those people and they're wired to actually be much more alert and hypervigilant in the world generally and they look like everyday people. They're the guy in the suit or the woman in the... Dress or whatever everyone's so, wearing.
1: So the the why is it our childhood or what? Growth? Mostly yes, yeah.
0: Mostly it's the way it's the messages we receive from our parents or our caregivers or adults that is the world a safe place or not. And there's fifty thousand examples of that. You know, mm. watch out for those guys. They'll always rip you off with their money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, watch out. You've got to be careful of different um, religions. Different religions, absolutely. Different and races. Yes. Anything that's different. If, you, if you're brought up in a family where anything that's different means dangerous or not okay or you need to get them away or get yourself away from that, then you're going to live that experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you grew up in a place where someone would shout and yell at you if you did anything wrong, then you're going to notice angry people,
1: okay? Is it just angry people? What are the other uh, I kinds that we could have maybe okay. feeling like we're worthless absolutely we can feel worthless we can also see the world as a
0: safe place uh, sorry a sad place where there's lots of loss yeah where you're guaranteed to have loss and maybe that happens where you know people learn connection means loss so if i connect to you then i'm going to definitely experience loss so therefore they go into their life with and they go into relationships with always that sense of
1: i'm gonna have to get out because it's gonna get painful yep yeah.
0: So there's a lot there's a lot in that. So it's about so how we perceive our world, how we perceive our relationships and it always starts at is it safe or not and then builds from there. Well if it's if it's not safe, is it anger I need to look for, is it loss I need to look for? If rejection? It, rejection's huge.
1: Rejection I feel like is a huge one for a lot of people. And that's where self-worth comes in. Okay, so there's rejection, anger, the world is sad, the world is dangerous. Yes. Are there others? To, can we think of? Mm. Oh, what about around money? Yeah, well, definitely. There's not
0: enough? There's not enough. There's not enough to go around, so we need to compete for all existing resources.
1: What about um, being unattractive, I'm unwanted, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So
0: that definitely plays out, particularly in Western society. And are these like what you know psychologists talk about, core beliefs? Core beliefs, and this is how we... What are, they're cognitive distortions. So when we have... Say that again. Cognitive, cognitive distortions. distortions. So if we cognitively perceive... Because our perception is part of our cognition, right? So if we perceive that the world is an unsafe place, then we're going to have cognitive distortions or faulty faulty belief
1: systems that mean that we perceive our world in that way. Okay, but then here's the problem, right? And I've had this actually talking to a counsellor myself through some of my experiences. So um, if straight away, when you tell me all this, this makes plenty of sense. Yes, but the stuff comes up and goes. uh-uh, that's not distortion. That's just the way I've experienced it. That's how it is. Yeah, and so and so for- that it's such a such an inbuilt um, mm. force. So because if- you you regardless, I you know I can see that white chair back to this chair that's next to us. Mm, mm. But regardless of the, of of what you're telling me, mm. that still is very real for me. So then I'm what I'm saying I, this on behalf of everybody. Yes, of obviously. course. So then yeah. what
0: I would say to you is I would first of first of all want to support you to backtrack a little bit and understand why you're actually thinking that way. So it's a form mm. of reframing. So let's understand why you think that. Actually, the reason why you think that you might be unattractive or that the world is an unsafe place or there's not enough money, where does that come from? Because, you know, you're a baby at one point and you clearly didn't come onto the planet with that belief. Yeah. So what, from being a baby until now, who told you through things that they said or didn't say did or didn't do that then gave you that message that it was an unsafe or an angry place or whatever or oh, a place of no good, connection Katrina, yeah good. so once we help people understand that this is what's happened this is why um you're actually thinking that way that gives that awareness this wonderful thing called awareness gives people emotional freedom and that's where the power lies
1: so let's talk about this
0: then you, you mentioned the loop the loop, yeah. So, what happens is with the loop is that when we're growing up as a child, we we stand before another adult, and usually it's our caregivers, say. So, you know, and what happens is the way we perceive ourselves is through the what we think. Uh, sorry, let me start again. We stand before an adult, and the way we perceive ourselves comes from our own perception of the way they are thinking and feeling and believing about us. So if I've got an adult in front of me, and father, and my father says, you know, you're a beautiful child with lots of talent and you're just a good person mm. and I like spending time with you. I grow up thinking I'm worth spending time with, I've got talent and, you know, it's, and that relationships can be a positive, ex- I'm a good person, yes. right? Yeah. But if I've got a father who says, your emotions are annoying to me, you know, I don't have time to sit there with you when you're distressed. Um, and, you know, oh, for God's sake, stop it. Um, and, you so that's also be... another
1: thing, too. This yes. child expresses emotion oh. and then they're made to feel that they're not allowed to or it's inappropriate.
0: Do not get me started on
1: that one that because that's the one damage. of the
0: worst. Very big, very much so. So, what happens is they grow up thinking, first well, of all, that would do damage. Well, it does because they grow up thinking my emotions aren't okay or emotion is not okay. So therefore, they find other ways of coping. And that I'm not okay. And therefore, I'm not okay. If i am got this emotional feeling, then I'm not okay. So then they might be somebody that people pleases? Correct. Then they find a way of coping with that. So if my emotions aren't okay, then I'm going to need to yell, scream, fight. So fight, flight, freeze or submit. So I'm going to fight with myself and the world and in mm. relationships because... That's the only way we do it. Anger is the only acceptable emotion. So that's it. So you'll often find people like that. You'll often find people who will say, okay, well, I'm not allowed to have my feelings. So maybe if I'm a really, really good person and overachieve and become the... You'll you'll see the value in me that way, right? So Uh, they become overachievers and perfectionists.
1: You know what I see with this too, with this loop that you're talking about? Mm, It's a powerful one. And I feel really sad for the child. Mm. I also, as a third party can see that maybe the adult hasn't had love. Of course. It's... So then there's, the, there's their perception too of themselves and then that's, I understand, the loop then. It's not just the loop between mm. child and father there. It's also... The father's parents. Yep. So, in, in a way, or, just... or teachers, we're not just saying parents, it no, could be that's teachers, correct. caregivers, maybe aunts and uncles too, or, Absol- or just it could be something that, because if the brain remembers the painful experiences too most, mm. then maybe your uncle said something to you or did something to you,
0: that's and right. then that stays with you. And so, that's why when I write about this, I talk about do you want to be a chain breaker? Because each loop is linked. Right, so your relationship with your caregivers is linked. Their relationship with their caregivers. It's all one loop in the chain. And do you want to be a chain breaker and break that chain? <sighs> and and you do that through awareness and changing your perception. Oh, but it's so hard to do. Oh, but it's so easy. It can
1: happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is hard. I because know. If a child has been told that they're worthless or that they're, you know, if they when they open their mouth they're a pain in the ass, or or maybe that
0: you know when, when yeah i know and then because girl,
1: we're so um we're like canvases as kids
0: but what if that person sits down with someone that they have a fairly okay relationship with like a therapist or a coach or someone they can talk to and then through or they read a book you know that i'm currently yes. writing i'm only joking or like a plug, return plug. to love yes or return to love Williams, any book yeah so they they read that and or they have that experience, and they all of a sudden have that shift in awareness mm. where they go, actually, you know what? It doesn't belong to my parents either, but it actually doesn't belong to me. If they It got doesn't it from belong their, to
1: me. It, that doesn't, it doesn't yeah.
0: belong to me. It's not who I really am. It's a saggy, baggy, shame-filled cloak that was handed on to me that I put on, and I can take this cloak off because I can still be the pure, ...worthy person that I was born to be... ...and unfortunately I've been dragging this cloak around. So this is this, this is where... ...once we have awareness then we can build in the idea of choice. And when people experience the choice of perceiving themselves... ...in a different way... ...and they have the feeling... ...just that ever so slight shift. It's not big. It's just like, okay... ...maybe me feeling bad about having feelings... ...is actually from my parents feeling bad about emotion you know, actually, you know what? The science says my brain and body is going to feel. It's actually really human to feel. You know what? I'm actually normal. I'm actually okay. Yeah. In that instant, they, they can normalise and they can be compassionate to themselves and they can say, oh, you know, I just have freedom. Actually, I've been misunderstanding because they gave, you know, it, it just can change
1: everything. And I'm still thinking about the coat. What a dreadful coat to wear. And what are, and it's handed down from generations. It's quite no, dirty. I, I was listening to you though, but I was I was actually thinking too. Um, it's very hard to take the coat off, mm. right? So what I what I noticed too can happen is that if you can't manage to take the coat off, if you still want to walk around with though with that stuff mm. because you believe it's true, mm. then what does happen too is you can start to understand that. Maybe other people are coming into your world mm-hmm. and treating you that way because you're wearing the coat. Correct. And so the, the first... So what I mean by that is because of the beliefs that you have about yourself. Correct. And you're just aware of it. You can maybe... And you can maybe treat that as an experiment too. I'm going to... I'm not going to try and change how I am. I'm just going to be more aware of how I actually am. Yeah.
0: That's right and that's okay. So I actually once people get to that place of awareness with that so they even realize the cloak is part of that this cloak exists, right? It's, it's great coat. Yeah, this coat, she mm. was let's call it the shame coat, shall yeah, we? Yeah, shame. Oh. So so if we call this they're walking around with this shame coat or this heavy coat of all these misunderstandings about themselves. And um, that the first thing is getting them aware that it even exists because they think it's actually part of their skin, oh. right? So once we realise that actually it's a cloak, and therefore being a cloak, sorry, a coat, it's actually removable, right? So the first step is going to the world and just go out there and experience. Just be aware that you have that coat on. In your coat, In your, Don't don't be going crazy and taking it off or anything. I don't ask anyone <laughs> to take it off because maybe they just wear want...
1: a nice nice hat or something. Always, oh, yes, of course. You know,
0: we always had a scarf or a nice pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. But but the coat's there, right? So just be aware of, okay, when that person said that, I felt that, but that actually doesn't belong. That's, that's based on my perception mm. that absolutely flows from this coat. Oh, it's good. Right?
1: And I noticed that too when I read this book, A Return to Love, mm. I, under- I I began to see too the the mirrors that were happening in my life, that the perception yes. that because I was wearing these coats of maybe unworthiness or... Mm. Um, rejection mm. and though, no, or um yeah that no, the world is not a safe place mm. then i i began to see that yeah i was i was almost bringing people into that would reaffirm that
0: absolutely i think you do because yeah. again it's the world lens it's the lens of relationships so what you notice i would put to you that there may have been others that were not reaffirming that but you wouldn't necessarily pick up on them even because it's the ones that do reaffirm that that you're most familiar with so you're more likely to engage with see yeah it just it's that it's that effect right and it's Mm -hmm. all unconscious until it becomes conscious the moment we get it conscious that awareness is everything and then we can start saying well do you want to at least take a sleeve off can we unstitch one of the sleeves at least
1: and so let's talk a little bit around perception of in relationships yes let's do that perception in relationships
0: so i would say about that is our perception of relationships is one thing, but again, the second part of that is perception of self in relationships. So do we, and they same questions, do we see relationships as always, first question, safe or unsafe? If we see them as safe, okay, well then that's great. So if we see them, if we perceive them as unsafe, then the next question is, do I have the capacity, what's my perception of self in the relationship? So do I have the capacity, even if this relationship isn't good, do is I unsafe. have the, is unsafe? If, if it does
1: affirm that. Yes. Yeah.
0: Do I have a, a perception of self that is I have my own back, I have my ability, I have capacity to navigate my way in or out of relationships, right? So if we Oh, so yes. so you know
1: what this is like too. <clears throat> um so if you are someone who's maybe had experiences where Partners are unfaithful. Yes, and you learn, or that people can't be trusted. Yes, uh, maybe men or women can't be trusted. Yes, and so you walk around and you go into relationships thinking people can't be trusted. Yes, but then you you begin to realise that it's not about trusting others; it's about trusting yourself. Correct, and knowing when something doesn't feel right. And then you learn to trust in yourself. Correct. So if you have a perception of self when it comes to
0: relationship if you have a perception of self that says whatever comes my way I will always choose myself first. I will handle it. I will be able to choose myself first and make those steps to remove myself or have boundaries or whatever it is but choose myself first then you know what you come into a relationship and you're that
1: little bit safer.
0: Well you are because you aren't relying on the other person to be safe for you right? People can only be who they oh, can be. Oh, that's true. Correct. They can just be who they are based on their conditioning. So if you meet Bob and Bob isn't faithful, right? If anyone's out there that's got a Bob that's unfaithful, I'm sorry, I'm not referencing them. But if you meet a Bob who's unfaithful, um, and, or, um, or doesn't care for your needs, you know, in yes. whatever way that may be. Um, and you can have that sense of self-belief well, then you'll go, oh, thanks Bob for the experience, but I'm moving out of your life now. And then you'll obviously run into um, Harry and Harry will be someone who is reliable,
1: right? Mm. And that's about
0: reliability, reliability is safety, emotional reliability, right? So if you meet up with Harry who's emotionally reliable, well, then you'll say yes to that. And then if that relationship changes, then you'll move out, Move, you'll, you'll back yourself, you'll choose your own safety and well-being first to then move into somewhere else. Like, I think that can change the way we experience relationships as a whole.
1: Um, so let's talk about the self-perception because I feel like that's key. How do we feel better about ourselves? Because if we're convinced that whatever it is, whether it's rejection, being ugly, being unwanted, being a nuisance... Um, you know whatever our core belief is Mm. it's not just a belief we we are we are so convinced that that coach is part of us so how do we get past that i think it's our awareness of what else is out there Mm.
0: what else is possible it's about i think the first step for that is collecting evidence that there is there are other things available to us
1: can I just say something before I forget too? Yep. I also have realised too that when you become more aware of perception and how it's ruling your life, you begin to talk to people and then you realise within sentences of speaking to them how mm. they perceive their life. Absolutely. You can actually, often you start to pick it up and you start to see, oh, that's somebody who sees the world as fun. Yep. Oh, that's somebody who sees the world as scary. Yep. And you, you see have these interactions with people, and yep. you begin to see what their lens yes. is so quickly.
0: And I would remarkable. I would, and I would love people who are listening to actually go and do that when they're walking around their day. Just be aware of what you're perceiving, how you perceive the world first of all, do a little in- inventory. But yeah. then when you're talking to others, think well, how what is their worldview and what is their perception of self? And you you start to become like a little expert. We always analyze our friends and family. You know, so you start to really notice and you're like, "Oh," and then you can track back over their life and you can see them making other choices as they go yes. along and you're like, "Well, that's because they think, you know, money makes me the, you know, having wealth makes me a higher, yes, greater more than that." Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 more connected. Are and feeds
1: my ego, feeds my e- yeah, or yeah, it might without be, judgment, like no, without judgment, no, no, no. But, but then it also means that when they, when you have interactions with these people, whether they're triggering, yes. whether they're up, whether they upset you, mm. they don't have the same impact because because, because you are aware,
0: Yep, yeah, and you're saying to yourself, okay, what what's going on when that person says to me that to me, and my whole body has a response to that. Why is that? What is it that they said? What's that's and you can work out what part you of your see perception then what their, their stuff
1: is and maybe yes. why they're throwing that at you. Yep, yep, it's so um, healing. Yeah, and that's how these miracles happen in your life. Absolutely. And that's actually what the course in miracles is really about, just changing all those perceptions. Yeah, which is fantastic. imagine yeah. imagine so, if we It's all actually did it. very realistic and possible. So the when you were talking about how it's awareness, so mm. perception that's the cool thing about perception having these massive changes in your life mm. is that you don't actually have to do a whole lot of change because it starts happening because all you need to do is put awareness
0: the most powerful thing you can ever do in your life is have the understanding and then the awareness. And it just that happens, opera, opera. change Yes, happens. it does, it's honestly. I've had people that come to me and we do a shift in awareness mm. and they're
1: liberated and off they go. Yes, and people come show up into your yes. world. I don't know if they've always been there or whether it is some woohoo kind of mm. spacey sort of spiritual stuff, law of attraction kind of stuff, or whether it's just that you start to see things in different ways.
0: Well, I think the best analogy of that is... Um, You know, if you decide to buy a pink Beetle car, a Volkswagen, then all of a sudden you go out and you see 50,000 pink Volkswagens when you've never seen one before. So, again, honestly, what is in your awareness is what the lens, again, what you're looking for, what you're thinking about, what you're feeling about, absolutely becomes reflected in your life, 100%.
1: Yeah, it's like... There's a beautiful analogy from Anita Mojani's book. Yes. I hope I say her name correctly. Yeah, oh, that's how I always
0: say it. It's Mojani, isn't it? Mojani. Mojani. Moor- yeah. Anita, we just would so, like to apologise to you in case we're mispronouncing your name. It's a
1: wonderful book and I really Love recommend it. it. So Anita Mojani, uh, it's a book about her near-death experience. So she yes. had cancer and from what we understand, what she believes happened to her, she passed on or she yes. went to the other side yes, she and then she came back. Yes. She talks about all of this knowledge that she believes that she, um, I guess, downloaded yeah, was on the other shown. Side. It was like a knowing and a
0: showing, Knowing, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: knowing and a showing. Yeah, yes. That would yeah. that, be it. <laughs> and then she came back and then she, she wrote this book because she felt like there was so many truths and mm. all this remarkable information that people needed to know. One of the stories that she talks about is that she was kind of given this image Um, I'm not sure if, I think it was after, when she came back, when she was writing the book, of of, of the best way to kind of describe what she realised when she Mm. was over there. But she she tells a story about this huge building and it was a huge warehouse from what I remember and it's in, there's no lights on. Yes. So you have to go in and you've got, one of those, she's got a torch on the top of her head, sort of like the miners do. Yes, yes, the miners' hats, yeah. Yep. So you've got this limited stream of light yes. above your face and you go into this warehouse and you're looking around with this torch mm-hmm. on your head and... You're making your way through the corridors and you're making out some items. There's maybe another chair. Oh, of course there is. Of course. They seem to be everywhere today. <laughs> yes, they're, ev- they're all like over. those the... pink beetles. Yes, they are. Um, and so, so you're marching around and you're trying to... You're stumbling through the dark and then you see that there's, there's some books and that this warehouse is just going on and on and on. And then someone turns the light on. Yes. I don't know who. But someone turns well, the light someone, on. Obviously someone greater than, than us. And you see yep. that... This warehouse is actually a huge museum that's packed with all of these antiques and all of these books and there's levels and levels and there's all these amazing jewels and there's treasures and there's all these things in that room and then someone turns the light off again and that's what it was like for her Mm. when she came back. Yes. But she still had the torch but she remembered that all of that beautiful stuff is all out there. And available for us all. And all it takes is just shedding that light on it Mm. and then you know it's there and then you're you change completely and then the way you approach that room is going to completely change too so the way so the way we're experiencing
0: life is that we're only seeing what we think is available to us when there's these there are these vast possibilities around us and just because we don't see them doesn't mean they're not there
1: yes that's exactly right yes. and there might be treasures over on yes. the other side of the building and that Two, what we're saying with this analogy as well is that with perception, you don't have to do a lot of work. No. All you have to do is just shed a bit of light. And when you know that you're wearing the coat, the coat will eventually come off. Yes. Or maybe you'll go around with the coat, but you'll know it's there. And then it's just like when that light turned on in the factory, that you become aware of all that's there and then you change.
0: That's right. And then you are forever changed because you can't, once you know something, you can't unknow it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really powerful.
1: Yes, and that's when shifts happen in our lives. Because mm. Mm.
0: Mm. we're experiencing ourselves as we're meant to be.
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah. Rather than how we were
0: taught to be or told to be or understood ourselves to be. It's very liberating.
1: Based on other people's pain, which wasn't based their fault. Based on other people's pain, which probably wasn't even theirs. It's not theirs. <laughs> it's not theirs, no. Um, but we, maybe we can finish off too. Yes. There's a lovely, I love my analogies today, but it's a story about a little duck. So this is a really cute story about perception. Okay. So we're at a university and there's a little pond next to the main hall at the Mm. university or the main office area. And there's a little pond and there's a little duck, Eric the Duck. So Eric the Duck hangs out in the pond every day and he's quacking away in his little pond. And so the first person that walks past every morning is this rather large woman and she hears Eric go quack, quack, quack. And she looks at Eric and she says, oh, Eric, you're always quacking, always asking for food. Mm. Second person walks past Eric every morning, and it's the professor of the university. And quack, quack, quack goes Eric. And the professor says, oh, Eric, questions, questions. You're always asking questions. Okay. Then the That's third so person walks past. so interesting. Yep. And Eric's quack, quack, quacking away. And there is a singer in the band. And the singer goes, oh, Eric... Quack, quack, quack. You're always singing. It's always lovely mm. to hear you. Doesn't that say everything? We see everything as we are, not as mm. it actually is.
0: Correct. And I think when we actually understand that, when we come to understand that the way we perceive everything is totally informed by every lived experience we've had, it's, it's liberating to know that. Yeah. Yeah because we realise that, well, actually how we're perceiving it may
1: not even be the reality. In fact, it probably probably is not the reality. And there's a crucial question too uh, that you can ask yourself. It's an Einstein quote. Yes. And he says, the most important decision you'll ever make is whether you decide to live in a universe that is supportive and friendly or one that is hostile and unkind. Quack, quack.
0: Quack, quack, quack.